Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Slavic Bros. My name is Tyler, for all those that have missed, and this is my buddy Austin. What's up, guys? Ciao, Ludi. How's everyone doing tonight? All right, guys. Uh, hey, Austin, do you want to introduce our topic for this week? Yeah, tonight we're going to be talking about Slavic mythology. This entails the Slavic gods and goddesses and also Slavic mythological creatures. Most of y'all probably know Viking mythology, Roman and Greek mythology, but in the West, so little is known about Slavic mythology. And it's a shame because our gods and goddesses are beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, and like you said, there's, um, there's not much really known about it. A lot of folks are like, oh, cool, you know, Greco-Roman stuff or Scandinavian stuff. But like nobody really bothers to look too much into uh, anything for like the Slavic gods. And there actually are some connections to both like the Greek side, also to like the Scandinavian side. I'd probably argue a little bit more connections um, towards the Scandinavian route. Uh, for instance, like we see stuff uh, with like Perun who's like that, that chief big god. And I guess if you were to look at him, at least how I see it, I'd say he's he's very similar to like the Scandinavians for like their their version of Thor. Uh, but they're, they're of course, they're different. They're on different levels and whatnot. Uh, do you want to like talk anything about that? Yeah. So Perun is basically like, kind of like, imagine Thor if he was the king of the gods. Yeah. <laughs> and Zeus combined into one, and that is the Slavic Perun. He is the king of the gods. He sits on a heavenly throne and he wields a hammer as his main weapon. That said, there are also parallels between Slavic mythology and Iranian and Indian mythologies in the right. past. This comes about especially with Perun and his main rival, Velas. So yeah. Perun is sort of like the king of the gods, the king of like the heavens. And Velas is a dark god who is sort of like a trickster and like some kind of cunning loki type figure who is the king of the underworld hmm. in persian mythology um in the past there was this idea that there were two different types of gods there were the good gods and the bad gods and they were continuously fighting each other right and we kind of see that symbolism and the good gods were represented in white and the bad gods were represented in black and we kind of see that symbolism here yeah, yeah. This is Velis. It's really kind of cool to see. Yeah, definitely. And I know um, within Slavic mythology, there's actually like a lot of stuff that, um, like you said, is shows like, oh, like the white versus black, like the uh, dichotomy, like good versus evil. And sometimes they represent that in like animals, for instance. Like I know uh, something that, you know, is, is relatively common. They have like a white horse and also like a black horse. And those two like represent like, oh, it's like two different sides of that. Yeah, another um, two gods in Slavic mythology, Chernobog and Bielobog. Right, right, yep. Legit translating to black god and white yeah. god, <laughs> um, are often depicted riding two different horses. Chernobog, yep. the black god of night and darkness, rides a black horse, and Bielobog rides a white horse as he's the god of light and the sun. And there's one painting done, I believe, by a Russian artist that kind of depicts them each riding towards each other with their two horses but instead of kind of portraying them in a way that's confrontational it almost gives you the sense that they work together that despite their opposition they kind of combine harmoniously almost like yin and y y uh, yin and yang which is really interesting cool. 
that's um that's, that's quite interesting just to have like you know the parallels from like really all over kind of like that i like that that um i guess like the comparison to to yin and yang um so i guess like, a, a question that i i'd like to ask um for, for like the slavic gods obviously there's a lot of slavs that have just you know spread out all over the place was there like a lot of like you know regionalism and whatnot in the gods? Was there like a lot of differences depending on where you were? Because um, I know for me, I've seen that like sometimes there are different pronunciations on certain gods. But like, do you know of any gods that are like were maybe worshipped in one area but not in the others? Yes, it gets very complicated, and there's lots of gray area across all Slavs. Generally, like there were some of there were a couple of deities that were worshipped across the board. Like Perun, the king of the gods, yeah. Mokosh, the queen of the gods, his wife. But then when you get into some of these other gods, such as Svetovit, oh yeah. He's known by different names. So amongst Czechs and Slovaks and Poles to a most Poles, Svetovit is known as Svetovit. But then you get to like the far western Slavs, the Polabian Slavs, who are likely ancestral to modern day. Sorbs in Germany and potentially some Poles, particularly Northwestern Poles in Pomerania. So mm -hmm. your people. <laughs> um, you people. He's known, huh? <laughs> he, he's known as Triglav. So it's kind of like these two, there's two different names for the same God. And then there's also some controversy too with um, the God of with Radagast, who's one of the main uh, West Slavic de deities. Because with West Slavs, it's known as the Radagast, but with East Slavs, Radagast doesn't exist in any written works. But there is a god he's often equated with that is known as Svarožić, who is the kind of god of hospitality and the sun, who is the son of Svarog, the god of yeah, fire. Yeah, Svarog, I believe, yeah. Huh. And then it gets even more complicated because, like, then also West Slavs versus, uh, worship a separate sun god known as Dajbog. So, right, right. Like, two or three different gods here that all could be the same person. Absolutely. Uh, I, I like, like you brought up a Svetovid. Uh, for, for a lot of Poles and like Pomeranians, like you said, um, that was like the chief, like, god. Even, even though, like, all Slavs knew Perun and that was like the, the chief god, everybody knew that that was. The top god, essentially, like the Zeus position-wise of um of all slots, technically speaking, like Svetovid was more widely worshipped. Um, and it wasn't that they placed greater importance on Svetovid. It was just kind of like you know how like in a lot of cultures, it wasn't even just exclusive to Slavs. Places kind of picked a god and was like, oh, that's like the god, like his protector of us. Like he's like our special god. He's like the guy that's really guiding us and all that kind of stuff. But of course, we still recognize the overall top god. And for Poles, that was Svetovid. And I think that's a really interesting one, personally. I think it kind of shows where those people were at mentally and like culturally and stuff like that. Because if we look at Svetovid, <laughs> and in my opinion, looking back on it with like hindsight, um, I don't necessarily know if he makes a whole lot of sense. He's, uh, you know, he's the god of war, but also fertility and abundance at the same time. I don't even know how the fuck, like, who, who puts that together? I mean, I, I know vodka wasn't around during the time whenever they were worshipping him, like, originally, but you have to think, they must have had some weird proto-vodka or something that they were, like, drinking while, like, oh, well, let's put these things together, because somehow that makes sense. Uh, but <laughs> anyways, he was, like, the main god that kind of 
He's like the, the, the guy that most poles worshipped. Um, and so I, if I'm correct, I believe he had his like the, the chief temple for him was off the coast of like northern Poland. I don't remember the uh, island name offhand, uh, but I think that's a really interesting god and like a, a really interesting way to see like where they were. Because during like the time of like ancient Slavs and all that, they weren't exactly amazing in all aspects. Like you have like a lot of times like the Wens and Pomeranians and all that, and they they were, for lack of better words, they were giant dickheads for uh, uh, a lot of their neighbors. They went and attacked stuff, uh, stole stuff. I guess they were kind of like Vikings almost in a way. So Slavic Vikings, (laughs) bro. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like like Slavic Vikings, and I I I know I I don't I'm probably gonna get hate for that in in some capacity. I, I know in the past I've actually mentioned that like there were such things as Slavic Vikings. I've had people go on and and be like, oh man, that's not possible. You had to be from Denmark or Norway or Sweden to be a Viking. Like, well, that that's not exactly true. It's just a term, an era term, uh, like uh, specific for like sea pirate because they didn't have that word out then. And it just so happened to be that typically Scandinavians encompassed that. Um, But of course, like you could be a sea pirate from anywhere and, the Pomeranians, you know, exemplify that. The Wends especially exemplify that. They were a huge problem to a lot of the Euro- other European nations, so much so that a lot of people wrote to the Pope and were like, hey, we have to stop these uh, these pagan douchebags from raiding everything and stealing everything because that's what they were. Um, but- yeah, it's really interesting to see, like, how, how like, you know, the Svetovit or Triglav really personifies the nature of Poles. And he likely was the main god worshipped by Poles in the or the ancestors of Poles in the past. So it's it's cool to see that he kind of personifies the Polish nature today. <laughs> I feel the same with, with Radagast, the um, god of hospitality and beer, with Czechs. And ironically, he is probably the Slavic deity that stuck the most with Czechs because there's a statue of him that's built on a mountain in Moravia in Eastern Czech Republic. Um, Radagast is a very good Czech beer. If you have not tried it, find it and try it. It's really good. And that's, that's amazing. Just he is just he, in the Czech consciousness, he just somehow fits because he's the god of hospitality and beer. And I kind of picture Radagast to be like a god who's just like he'll do anything for you. He'll buy you a beer. He'll give you weed. But at the same time, he's kind of like <laughs> just a very goofy guy. Like he's not gonna he's not gonna go fight as much. He, he he's more likely to kind of like talk mess about you and like make jokes about you than actually fight you. And I feel like that applies to checks a you know, lot. I'm not gonna lie, like <laughs> the, the way you describe me kind of seems like the uh, the next guy that's gonna appear in the Joe Rogan experience. He just seems like the perfect fit for that. He <laughs> just showing there with some weed and some beer. And he's like, yeah, man, as a some crazy problems going on, but I'm vibing, bro. Which, <laughs> yeah, exactly. if I were being honest, that kind of, in a way, it sounds like a certain Czech characteristic, and that is like the Czech characteristic of going to the pub and just vibing, like not like just yeah, going yeah. to the pub, vibing, being loud, being rowdy, and just forgetting all your cares and drinking beer. See, I, I love that because on one hand, you have the poles that are like, "All right, we got the god of war. We're gonna go and fuck shit up and be, you know." stabbing stuff but then also somehow fertility and abundance and all that I, yeah and then you have chill dude over there drinking beer just vibing like that that's, that's the dichotomy going on there it's like all right that's the the, 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 two, the two hands of the coin here <laughs> one, one is definitely a lot uh, nicer than the other 
<laughs> yeah, dude, it's kind of funny. <laughs> exactly. It, it's really funny to see like how like the gods that were the most popular by our ancestors still find their characteristics reflected in the nations of today. Like we see that with Triglav with the Poles, and we see that with uh, Radagast with the Czechs. It's it's wild stuff. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> you know, so, so our, our last episode, we we did stuff on uh, the Polish women, obviously, and I, I wonder, I have to wonder if they like have like an embodiment of like Spetsvid just like burning in their like souls, where they're just kind of like, all right, we got we got to be aggressive, we got to wage war, and all the, the Slavic men got to be. You know, yelling all the Korva matches everywhere we go. <laughs> I don't yeah, know, there's, there's that, something that, about them. It's uh... <laughs> it really makes you wonder, doesn't it? And the Slavic goddesses, we, we've talked only about Slavic gods so far. The Slavic goddesses are also amazing and mighty. Like Mokosh is the main goddess, and she is the mother goddess, and she is sort of she is like almost kind of like imagined as like a type of this might sound controversial, but like a lot of iconography kind of depicts her as almost like a Slavic Virgin Mary that is very tough in nurturing a child. There's a Polish artist who I believe, I can't remember his name, but I saw some kind of depiction where it said, I think, Mokosz, Mother of Poland, and it, the depiction was done in a way that imitated the Virgin Mary. And this isn't you know, trying to be sacrilegious or anything like this. It's just kind of showing that there are parallels between the two that may have come to play in Slav's conversion to Christianity. Interesting. That's, um, that, that's, that's actually, that, that's, a, that's a pretty good one. Um, guess, like, just to segue into that, how do you think that went? Because like like nowadays you have, of course, like like Poland, for instance, is like overwhelmingly Catholic, and like Catholicism is a huge part of like their current culture. Um, what do you think like the the effect of early Christianity on like Slavs was? We we know that there were stuff like you know crusades that were waged against a lot of like the pagans, uh, and places like Czechia, for instance, actually converted to Christianity prior to places like Poland. The Czechs actually brought Christianity to Poland, um, but what do you what do you think that had? Because like obviously, once that was like commonplace in, in like a lot of the Slavic countries, like you just saw all references of the past basically deleted. They just flat out just got rid of stuff. Yeah, it's very unfortunate because just so there is limited knowledge on the process of Christianization in most of the Slavic lands. In Russia, there has been research done on this topic, but in most West Slavic and South Slavic lands, there is very little known. My personal theory is that it was sort of a way for elites to consolidate their control over the masses. And mm. it kind of was like this new thing that they adopted to kind of like say, we're more enlightened. We want to go with a more, a new strain of thought. And then it also gave them acceptance in Western power structures and also Byzantine empire power structures so it's what probably happened was the elites converted quickly, but the people maintained faith in the Slavic gods and goddesses. In fact, I think I read something about a uh, Perun amulets being found up until the 10th or 11th century in, um, was it Serbia and Slovakia? So 
what I think happened was like maybe there were cases where the rural people, the bulk of the population, may have disguised veneration of Slavic gods and goddesses and perhaps veneration of saints or other Christian figures. Right. Because there are parallels that can be noted between the Slavic gods and goddesses and Christian figures. That's uh that, that that's actually a very fair um I guess assessment there. I guess like another question I have in places like Poland, for example, they actually do still celebrate like what is I guess regarded as like pagan traditions. Um, despite them being overwhelmingly Catholic, they do still celebrate these things that occur uh, a lot, lot more often than you think. Uh, do you, is, do you think that's commonplace amongst like a lot of the Slavic world where they still kind of held on to some of these traditions despite adopting the new religion? Yes, I think it's common in every Slavic country. Like in um, Czechia, there is a custom called the drowning of um, Morana or yeah, Marjana. yeah, we we, we, we have that in uh, Poland as well. And it's sort of like a custom that was actually, I believe, sanctioned by the church at times, where they drown an effigy that's supposed to yep. represent Morana, the goddess of winter, and a river. Um, and then in Slovenia, you have you have these mythological figures called Kurenti or their mm -hmm. carnival called Kurentovania, which is something that kind of is based around the whole Catholic carnival season that okay, yeah. are present. Um, so it really is interesting to kind of see a lot of like the pagan elements incorporated into Christian um, culture. Yeah. That's, um, huh. You know, I actually, I'm quite curious for any of those that are like listening to this, if you guys could like comment on our like post about this and like maybe tell us like, oh, like if, if some of these things are going on inside your country, just like feel free to tell us about that. Because I'm actually quite interested now to hear about the differences and all the similarities that are going on between this. Because I'm sure there, there probably there probably are more out there. Um, I'm pretty limited. I only really know about certain stuff like the Polish uh, traditions, maybe like a tiny bit of the Czech traditions. They're kind of similar in some areas, but. Yeah, for, for any of y'all that want to comment more about that, feel free. I, I'm definitely, I'm going to uh, to hear about this. <laughs> yeah, we would love to hear about it because in the future, we would like to maybe do another podcast on different Slavic uh, folklore traditions yeah. and maybe kind of note similarities between the different uh, nations in the Balkans and, and Central Europe and in Eastern Europe. And also we may in the future even maybe venture into blogging on the topic. So we would mm -hmm. love to hear your thoughts on this um Absolutely. also i want to mention too we've been doing a lot of ai art on different slavic gods and goddesses so yeah. please let us know what you think of these you know you may think oh it's just like cartoons or whatever it's not real but i found it a very valuable tool because it crystallizes slavic gods into a depiction and a lot of times these depictions are so scarce like there are very few depictions of Slavic gods and goddesses. So I like seeing how like the artificial intelligence with some keywords that I we input in, how it interprets them, because it's it kind of puts your imagination into a picture. So please let us know what y'all think of those. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really cool actually like going through the process and seeing what it makes. Uh that is when it's not distorting them into this like dystopian, horrible creature. Uh, at least for me, I, I, Austin, I feel like you have much better luck with this than I do because 
I swear it's like 80% of the time I get this thing. It's just like a straight up hell spawn. Something that would just haunt your nightmares, like some distorted looking face. But then you, you'll be like, oh man, check this out. It's some super cool God. And I'm like, how? I don't know how you're getting these. Yeah, it, I get lucky. I think that's part of it. But the other part of it is I start off with, like, with a basic prompt, which will be like something like, you know, Perun, king of the Slavic king of the gods, sitting on a throne yeah. in a Slavic city. And then it will give me certain results. And I'll look at it and kind of be like, hey, he looks like a winged hussar. Let me hmm. say Perun, king of the Slavic gods, in a winged hussar costume in Prague and see how that looks like. Then oh, that looks fair, cool. fair. So I just kind of build off of that. One really cool example um, with this was um, the goddess Lada, the goddess of love. Oh, what? It's not, not, the, not the god of Soviet cars? What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny, the goddess of love and the Soviet <laughs> cars with the same name because they're not things you actually want to love. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, no, it, it, that, that's debatable. In, in Soviet Russia, your uh, car loves you, yes? You take good car of God, it loves you back, huh? Lada. <laughs> it's kind of funny because in the Czech context, like, Josef Lada was a famous um, artist in the mid-20th um, century. He painted all kinds of cute paintings of Czech villages and yeah. folklore and traditions. And they just look so cute and, like, make you feel so lovey-dovey on the inside. So it's kind of funny he's got the same name as the goddess of love. But... <laughs> The goddess of love was not interpreted as like a cute, lovey-dovey kind of love. She's interpreted as more of like a sexy kind of love. And what was interesting to me is it, despite me writing Slavic goddess of love on the AI prompt, it gave her some very oriental type costumes. Mm -hmm. Like it gave her a crown that looked, looked like a combination of like a Thai crown and a Slavic inspired crown. Mm. And I kind of went with it because I liked it. Um, and that's, we're still working on kind of like getting those all put together now, but it really is cool to see how the AI interprets things and how like you can let its interpretation influence um, how you perceive. Yeah, absolutely. That's um, It's kind of cool actually, because I, I feel like, you know, like you said, if it did adopt some other features from other parts of the world, um, I mean, you're going to have, you have some people who are like, oh, that's not, you know, 100% accurate. But like, I think it's cool nonetheless, because it's like, oh, it still shows like, oh, you know, they're, they're, they're a separate thing from other people. Uh, and like, it kind of highlights like, oh, there, there's quite a lot of the differences still. Uh, and, and sometimes like, it's kind of accurate in a way because well, like, like you mentioned earlier, there are some connections to places like, you know, the Middle East, Persia and stuff like that. Some of those religions out there. So it's kind of cool to have that. Cause like, you know, a lot, sometimes it was influenced by stuff like that. Definitely. Like, for example, I had a Czech dude when we posted one of the um, AI vi uh, videos of the Slavic goddess comment. Why are you so obsessed with this? It's not real. It's not how they actually looked. And I responded and I said, well, do you know how they actually looked? And do you know any <laughs> artists that have done depictions of them? Because I do not. And this is, I'm putting this out here to try to inspire somebody to maybe make art. Like I'm not trying to make art. I'm trying to kind of be the inspiration with this AI art. Um, that's, that's because a, so <laughs> I mean, I guess like by that, like, like, do we know how basically like anybody looked prior to like super crazy photographs or, uh, you know, super dedicated painters? 
I mean, for instance, like, by that logic, do we know down to, like, the very last freckle what Jesus looks like? No. <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't add up. It's like we're putting, into, you know, representations together, and it's just, that's fine. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think people will find a reason to be mad about literally anything, so that's that's kind of funny. <laughs> exactly, and I feel like that's a good segue into our next point. Like, there just is a lack of conversation and debate on Slavic mythology. I wish more people would get passionate maybe even mad about it so there could be more conversation because right now we've got a situation where we have academics who research it, who cannot even agree on who is a God and who isn't a God. Mm -hmm. They're saying some supposed gods were invented in the 19th century. I don't know. I find that hard to believe. Um, and then they're just, you know, on the other side of the coin, there are gods that, could be other gods like you know we talked about like Triglav and Svetovit maybe being the same god and um... I, I would argue that they're not exactly the same because I think that they're depending on where you were there was um I think there's like a different representation like I think the things like Triglav that represented like three or like he, he's a, he's a weird thing because they don't I feel, I feel like there's not like a like, like you're saying there's not really a hundred percent like a concrete I guess, understanding of, like, what exactly he was, if he was a god, or if he was the embodiment of multiple gods, or really what the hell he was. It's, it's gone. Yeah, which is why I think there needs to be more of a debate on the topic that is supplemented by research and um, archaeology and anthropology. Because, you know, in India, the Hindu religion can get very complex. It's based around gods and goddesses, and I'm not an expert, but from what I understand, you've got a situation where different regions of India worship gods by different names. And mm -hmm. sometimes there is confusion on if they're actually different names or the same god or if they're actually different gods themselves. But in this yeah. case, there's a lot of like, you know, debate and conversation on the topic. So it kind of results in conclusions being drawn. But with the Slavic stuff, I don't think we're anywhere close with conclusions being drawn. Yeah, it's it's hard in a way though because I feel like in in India, obviously they're still predominantly practicing Hinduism. It's been going on for an extremely long time. They know basically like everything about it, um, or at least they, they know a lot more about it than Slavs do, um, because Slavs basically abandoned the religion and swapped to you know. Uh, mostly Christianity, or I guess the, so the minority that are practicing Islam, but um, yeah, like like they they have like that that understanding because it's still practiced to this day in India. Slavs don't, and a lot of the stuff that we had that was about that, like like, and I, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to get hate for this, but honestly, Slavs did an absolutely abysmal job about like keeping a keeping up with a lot of stuff. Slavs didn't really do much of a job with like writing stuff. They didn't keep a lot of really nice written records. A lot of times they didn't even have like a written system. Um, so we don't have like that ability to translate what their like gods were. Because a lot of times they just were orally passed down. Whereas in India, you have extremely old, you know, written texts that are still seen to this day. So at least they have that. Um, and not to mention also. Kind of like how I was saying earlier, a lot of stuff was destroyed when they when they like swapped over to Christianity. They just destroyed old pagan monuments, memorials, uh, temples, etc. And so it's kind of like, ah, eh, well, it's gone. Oh well, and they just kept moving forward. 
And so we don't really know anything about that. We don't really have like the same ability or ways, I guess, of going about it because it's like, where do you even begin? This, the few things they had are gone. And the, the primary way of like dispensing information was just orally. It wasn't written or anything. So it, it makes it infinitely more complicated than like anything that can be found over there. Yeah, it's it's definitely a fact that Slavs did a horrible job of writing down materials on their mythology and their early culture. Um, and if you don't believe this, just look at the state of Slavic paganism today. Um, <laughs> context, and I believe when I was reading, I saw that there are seven to eight different sects of Slavic paganism alone because yeah. the 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 small fraction of people that practice Slavic paganism cannot agree on what gods are gods and what practices constitute Slavic paganism. And some of them go as far as to try to incorporate Hinduism into Slavic paganism. And yeah, and they, they don't get along at all. Like I was reading that in Russia, there's a huge debate between these different groups, kind of, kind of intriguing, kind of crazy too. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually, that's interesting. I know in like Poland and I think also Czechia, there's Rodnavry. And there are some people that like legitimately practice that as like a religion. Um, I do know of people that practice it, but like not exactly as like a primary like religion. I guess it's kind of like a, almost like a cultural revival type of like, like an attempt at that. Like they're, they're basically just trying to do that to like become like in tune uh, with like a revival of ancient uh, like Polish Slavic ways. Sometimes it's not actually the religion, but they're just doing it for that purpose. And some people, they do legitimately practice that, but there's still like, there's not a lot of that. And I have seen in recent years, um, I, I did start seeing more articles about it, but then it just kind of stopped out of nowhere. I just, I heard about it at one point and then bam, it's just like, I haven't heard about it since. Yeah, it's it's a very esoteric thing. In Czechia, I think it is growing in appeal because of just the vast communist secularization of society that has heavily damaged the Christian church, unfortunately. Interesting. Um, but a lot of the people that practice it, I know a couple, they, I, I don't know the extent to which they actually practice. I think they're very interested in it. But, you know, I don't know if they're offering sacrifices to gods or anything like that. I think they're just liking the imagery and liking like the ancient folklore and festivals that were associated with the gods. Um, so it's really, it's almost like a, in Czechia too, kind of like a cultural revival type situation. You know, <laughs> kind of a random comment here. I, I, I'd be completely down with, uh, with, with some of those practices returning if a, uh, if we, you know, were to sacrifice things like uh, crocodilians, like alligators, I'd be completely fine with that coming back. Uh, don't don't hate on me with the, with the uh, animal rights groups, please. Uh, fuck alligators, though, in all, in all honesty. But that's besides the point. <laughs> um, <laughs> in Texas, there's lots of hogs that roam, every, wild hogs that roam everywhere and tear up fields and fences. So the only the more dead hogs, the better. You know, I think a lot of Slavic countries would agree with that, namely like Poland. I remember 
I think when I went over in like 2019, there were there were people back then that were um I'm not sure if it's still done, but like the Polish government wanted people to like hunt hogs because of over overpopulation problems. Um, it might still be the case because I know those things breed like crazy. But uh, yeah, <laughs> kind of, kind yeah. of besides the point there. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of slaws would be in hog heaven in Texas, legit, because there is an overpopulation of hogs and there is no limit on them. <laughs> well. <laughs> Shoot as many as you want. I mean, there are kids in the, from my small town that have that shot whole truckfuls of hogs. Yeah, there's oh. a huge, there's a tremendous overpopulation, and they just tear stuff up. Like, I'm not trying to sound like hogs. Of course, should not go extinct. They they should be in the ecosystems. But when there's so many of them that they outcompete other animals. Yeah. So, guess um, try 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 trying to uh. For trying to bring us back to uh, paganism and whatnot in, in uh, Slavic regions. So I have two questions for you here. Um, do you think that Slavic Americans should be trying to either learn about it or uh, practice it more? And also in, in actual Slavic countries, do you think that like a resurgence of like the Slavic pagan uh, religions should come back and like maybe I don't think it is possible to necessarily replace anything that's like of like the Christian churches within that now but I mean theoretically if it was possible do you think that would be like a good thing for them so it, it's a very complicated question I know that both of them but uh I think that more material should definitely be put out there for people in the diasporas and also Slavic countries to learn about Slavic mythology because, you know, like in the Czech language, there are materials in Polish, I'm sure there are too, but in English, there is so limited research and there are so limited books and materials for Slavic mythology. And where yeah. I see it playing a, a very heavy role in diasporic, diasporic cultural awareness is with um, children, because oftentimes children want to read about Greek mythology or Viking mythology and it would be amazing if there could be books on Slavic mythology that kind of show pictures of the gods, tell the myths and kind of put these into pictures because Slavic aesthetics are beautiful and the folklore and with, with our robust folkloric traditions and folk costumes and colors and patterns there, somebody could really, make some cool depictions of these myths and gods and goddesses <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that got me thinking there uh like, like what you're saying like children reading that it's a, it's a great point <laughs> I, I can already see it now some something popping out so like percy jackson and the olympians you have like like pavla yakovsky and then uh <laughs> some sort of slavic thing as like a book <laughs> but uh because yeah i mean if you, if you like viking mythology you'll definitely like Slavic mythology Viking mythology is awesome. It's badass. But, you know, Vikings like a lot of, you know, grays and kind of, it's like kind of like a dark, depressing mythology, some would yeah. say. But you look at Slavic mythology, and I meant depressing, I don't mean depressing in a bad way. I mean, like, kind of in like a, you know, it's like a very dark feeling. But Slavic mythology, it's full of color. It's full of color and symbolism and imagery. And when you look at the few paintings and imagery that's been put out there on the topic you see it like it's a really rich 
it's a really rich um, way to depict things. Interesting, yeah. So, what, would would you say that like it should have a resurgence across like Slavic Europe, or because like I, I honestly I don't think that's necessarily possible to see it come back in full force and like to, I guess replace something like, you know, Christian churches or whatnot. I think they're kind of beyond that point now. Um, but like, is that, is that something you'd want to see or like, I don't know. I, I'm I'm trying I'm trying to like to think about that because I don't I don't see that like it could come back and I, I think Slavic cultures are far too past that and I don't think that they are the same cultures that they like even remotely close to what they were back then. That's a very complicated. That's a very deep question. It it, it is a very deep question. I know, but um, I think that it should play a role in the modern country's identities. Mm -hmm. um, I am a Christian, so I do not think it should replace the Christian. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I do think with the with the advanced secularization that we're seeing, pioneered by Western interest groups and institutions, and how this is very prominent in certain Slavic countries, I think that this could be a way to resist this, and it could also be a means for people who have left the Christian faith to find um, faith in a higher being, um, and it could be a way to combat this secularization in of society, which I firmly believe is is erasing identities across the eastern half of the European continent. That yeah, that's uh, that's pretty valid. I I also agree that I I don't think it should um replace uh, Christian churches and whatnot. Uh, as I'm also Christian, but uh, I I was, I was kind of curious about the input there. Um, but yeah, I mean it's 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 one of those things that like it shouldn't it shouldn't just go away. I think it's really cool to see it. I, I'm glad people are you know doing that. Um to have like faith and I guess in something, but I mean, it's not always like the case that they are truly practicing it. Sometimes it's just like, Oh, the cultural awareness be in tune with it, which I mean, I guess that's also cool. You're doing something. Uh, sometimes it's just like a, I guess it's more or less like a club to people in that aspect. <laughs> and, and you know, Tyler, your question, what you in kind of like your commentary right there just made me think, you know, like in like the Renaissance, there was all kinds of um, statues made in the Greek Roman fashion there were mm -hmm. statues made by Christians depicting Zeus and other Greek or Roman gods. And this yeah, yeah. continued in um, subsequent centuries. So it would be amazing to start having this with Slavic gods, you know, like where you can, you know, there was nothing, it was not seen as, it was not seen as completely controversial to combine the Christian and the Greco-Roman imagery and aesthetics into one that happened throughout the Renaissance and well, subsequent that's... periods. So to see that with Slavs, Slavic mythology and Christianity, that would be really you, cool. You probably won't see that. Um, I guess like for some weird reason, especially like in, in like the Middle Ages, um, they destroyed a lot of the Eastern and like Slavic stuff. But for whatever reason, like you said, they were like, oh, cool. This, this is fine to make stuff of Zeus and all sorts of Greek stuff. And I think what it just comes down to is like, 
that's Western culture. It's built mm-hmm. off of Greco-Roman stuff. And for it's like, oh, well, if it's Greco-Roman, that's okay because we have a connection with that. But if it's anything else, then, oh, that's wrong. And so I just don't think that you will find that. Um, and like nowadays, especially like people don't do that as much anymore. They, they're like, they learn about it. But like, I don't think you're going to see that in mass. There's no real like reason to necessarily go out and start doing it out of nowhere. I feel like people are like, oh, it's fine. I can just make a, an AI you know, representation of it or whatnot. But during like those middle ages, it would have been cool to have stuff like that. But it just w- it wouldn't have happened back then just because that wasn't that wasn't, you know, relating to Western culture. And so they just didn't care. They're like, well, it can go down like everything else, unless it's Greco-Roman. <laughs> yeah, and in modern Europe, where it's supposed to be all about diversity and different cultures and equality, there really is a place for this. So I don't know if it will happen, but I hope it happens. Because <laughs> there is lots of potential. Like, you know, Mokosh, the Slavic mother goddess and queen of the, god- the gods, um, could, there's a lot of, similarities in her imagery with um, the Virgin Mary. So that's something there that could be a potential. Um, <laughs> with Dajbog, there's a lot of imagery that is similar to Apollo and perhaps Jesus even. So you know, at this point, we, we could put up a, a, a GoFundMe to, uh, <laughs> to have some statues built. Like, hell yeah, guys. Yeah, but, if, uh, somebody, if somebody can make statues of Slavic gods, I'll pay you. Oh, Jesus, no, that'd be so expensive. <laughs> when, when I'm rich, I'll pay you. Yeah, yeah. When you're rich. rich off the podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, but um, we're, we're, we're getting actually pretty late up on this. We, we passed our, our normal time. I don't want to stretch it on uh, too much because I hopefully by this point we haven't lost too many people. Um. It's been a pretty pretty packed podcast. We've had a lot to talk about. And honestly, we could have gone on for way longer than like what we've gone on now. Um, and we might end up doing like further podcasts or videos just about individual gods uh, and stuff like that. So if you guys have any questions about that or if you want to see anything that we didn't cover, feel free just to like, you know, comment that or message us privately. We'll, we'll answer. Um, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like, Please um, tell us your thoughts and your comments. We want to hear them and we want to have a conversation on Slavic mythology. So let us know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. With that being said, though, uh, thanks for everybody that stuck around this long and thanks for everybody that tuned in. We really do appreciate it. Um, honestly, we're looking to grow this as much as possible. So if you guys do pass this on to a friend, we do greatly appreciate that. Um but slowly but surely, we are starting to see more and more people listening to this. That's awesome. Yeah, we got people in all over the world, like in Serbia and Greece and Belgium, yeah. um, places we wouldn't expect. But we don't have any Polish people yet. So please, if you have a Polish friend, send send them our podcast so they can start listening. Absolutely, man. I, I need to see more of the, uh, the, the Polish brethren on here. <laughs> um, but all right, guys, once again, thanks again, and we'll catch you guys next week. See you guys. Thank you for listening. Bye.